Stop me if you've heard this one. There exists a reindeer named Rudolph, and he has an incredibly reflective nose. In fact, it's so good at redirecting light that you would swear it was actually glowing. However, the other reindeer in his herd taunt and mock him for his abnormal olfactory organ and disallow him from joining them in any of their leisure activities. Sound familiar? Well, what if we added a daydreaming elf who wants to be a dentist, a prospector looking to strike it rich in the North Pole's apparently abundant gold and or silver veins, and an abominable snow bumble whose defining characteristic seems to be that he bounces? Not as familiar now, is it? From Rankin Bass Productions comes the classic tale of a child growing up different from everybody else, running from his problems, but finding that everybody is different, but still special in their own way. Oh, and then he saves Christmas by using his super nose to slice through some winter fog like a lightsaber through soft butter. That's a classic story ending, right? But are its story and messages truly timeless and well told? Or have we been giving this TV special a free pass because it's something we, our parents, and even our grandparents all grew up with? You better grab your trusty pickaxe, load up that sleigh, and set that star upon the highest bow, because we're talking about the 1964 classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, next on Nostalgia Bomb! Hello and welcome to the Christmas edition of Nostalgia Bomb. I'm your host, Brian Huff, and I am joined today by the man who is the ruler of the Misfit Toys, Joy Perez. Joe, how's it going? Dude, I got my crown on. I'm ready to go. Oh, I, you, is it the Burger King crown? Of course it's a Burger King crown. <laughs> it's like I got a Burger King crown. I got some of those uh, spray paint fake snow I put on it and like a couple of bells and you're just like prancing around. And I'm just picturing it right now. Dude, it's totally what it is. Oh, man. It's Christmas time. It is. Well, turkey's officially done, at least now. So now I can get into the Christmas spirit, which means time to put everything, light it all up, and make my lawn really, really obnoxious for my neighbors. <laughs> Isn't that kind of what Christmas is all about? Pissing it off is your to neighbors? me. <laughs> Pissing off your neighbors and beating the crap out of people for a $100 TV at Walmart. Apparently. It's a sad, sad time. But there was a time before we beat up our neighbors. <laughs> we didn't beat up our neighbors. We beat up other people for televisions in which uh, there was a little bit more Christmas spirit. I, I think I'm ready to relive that time. How does that sound? Dude, I'm ready to bring back the goodwill. All right, let's do it. That's right. We are doing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Sam the Snowman tells us a story of a young red-nosed reindeer who, after being ousted from his reindeer games because of his beaming honker, teams up with Hermie, an elf who wants to be a dentist, and Yukon Cornelius, the prospector. They run into the abominable snowman and find a whole island of misfit toys. Rudolph vows to see if he can get Santa to help the toys, and he goes back to the North Pole on Christmas Eve. But Santa's sleigh is fogged in. But when Santa looks over Rudolph, he gets a very bright idea. God, that is the corniest synopsis I've ever stolen from a DVD case. <laughs> there corny, was like, but accurate. Uh, corny, but accurate. There was all these like analogies that didn't quite go anywhere. But all right, so bright ideas. Release now. This is the part that I think blew my mind. 1964, Joe. Yep. 1964. Which means it Over. should have been dated when you and I saw it for the first time. It should have, but it wasn't. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I thought it was the, the bee's knees. I thought it was the hottest thing on TV, at least for Christmas movies. I, I said those so exact cool. words when I saw it. I said the bee's knees. Of course you did. Of course, because I grew Everybody up in the right. 70s. <laughs> the, it was... It was so I was a huge fan. I'm already getting off topic, but I was a huge fan as a kid of the Wallace and Gromit 
mm. stop motion stuff because you know growing up English like we had a lot of uh, access to the Wallace and Gromit stop motion before it came big over here and this just seemed like an even though it was done with puppets like it had that same kind of feel as Wallace and Gromit where you had that like stop motion kind of animation so to me this was like standard fare in the 80s well, and then you look at it in the 80s, too, where he had stuff like the uh, the California Raisins were big on TV and kids oh. really were into that. Uh, the 7-Up Spot commercials yep. uh, where Spot was born in the 80s. So stop motion was just kind of that thing that was really just ever present. So for kids like us, we look at this and it wasn't 20 year old movie for us at that point. We just saw that it was another stop motion film. Exactly. And side note, I'm going to make a promise now next year. We will do the California Raisins Christmas. Yes. Because it's amazing. And there's songs in that that I still absolutely adore. So, side note, folks, stick with us until next year. California Raisins Christmas. It's coming. But yeah, it was it was done so incredibly well. And even like watching it now, which by the way, over fifty years since it was made, with the exception of like the film quality, and I don't mean like the animation quality or even the quality of the characters, just the fact that like even though they restored it, like you can still kind of tell that it's it's old film. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. beyond that, it actually holds up really well. I think the only parts that stood out to me is like slightly wonky were like the snow effect <laughs> they did in a couple of places when it's supposed to look like snow in front of Sam when he's talking. Um, but beyond that, like it holds up really well. The character it just looks like a decent, not, not mid budget, low budget stop motion children's special. And I think part of the, the, the way that the reason that it holds up is because not only in just as a effect of those times is that all of that, or at least the vast majority of it, were all practical application of effects. Like they weren't added in post. They weren't uh, things that were sort of just afterthoughts and then added in. Like the idea of like Rudolph's nose actually lit up on the puppet. Like that was not mm-hmm. something that they added in. That was literally a light at the end of that puppet's nose that lit up. Yep, yep. And it's kind of, and even like the when they made uh, Hermie talk and his mouth move, like those were different applications that they put in in stop motion to his mouth. So it wasn't like something where they like tried to draw it on <laughs> and make it look really weird. Which I think is why the snow stood out because I think that was the one place they tried to do like non practical effects where they're like, oh look, we'll put some snow in front of the screen. But otherwise, yeah, everything holds up really well. Like they just look like some felt toys that are acting out of play and it it goes really well and what's kind of crazy about this is even though this is a classic here in the u.s actually the u.s had very little to do with the production Mm -hmm. of this tv special yeah which is absolutely fascinating to me it's something that i didn't know until recent years actually is that all of the the puppets and they were puppets and there were multiple of them made uh were actually created and then this was filmed in japan yep And I thought that was really kind of interesting. Also because uh, something I learned uh, while doing some research on that is that they never made the puppets to last back then. In order to make them photograph so well on the old school film, they actually added this metallic acidic spray to the puppets so that they would actually be brighter and they would pop more when they were being filmed. Which is, again, part of the reason why it holds up so long, even with that that sort of degraded film stock, is because they, they took... Well, I guess you would say a, a, a brawler's approach to it and said, <laughs> hey, we're going to make these these puppets shine. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's like they were innovation with the limitation at the time was cool. And of course, it came out of Japan. Go figure. Yeah, figure. And but this is also crazy from a cultural standpoint, because I believe where it was released 20 years to the day of Pearl Harbor, like we have to think about like 
yep. the cultural setting this is happening in, right? We have the Japanese 20 years out from Pearl Harbor working on this American Christmas classic that is being voiced by a bunch of Canadians. <laughs> yes, which were filmed, which were voiced and recorded one hour from my house. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you go but visit? We, no, I wish. <laughs> But no, you're absolutely right, and, and it was almost, I think it was 23 years almost to the day that they, they was released the day before the anniversary yeah, of just, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Just crazy. Kids these days don't understand what we're saying, folks, but that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. Like, that was a really big deal. Like, I can't, without being culturally insensitive, like, the only thing I could think to equate from this would be, like, today, the Taliban coming and making a Christmas special. Yeah, it's pretty, like, as insensitive as it may sound, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, like, that, just to give you an idea of how crazy that had to have been, like, that, that's what was happening. I mean, like, not to be insensitive, it's just, that's the equivalent of t- in today's speak. But, yeah, so, crazy, and they also use some, now, what's, I found this very interesting. So, the animation of the figures was done with metal armatures, which was actually originally done in, uh, used to am- animate, animate, I can't speak today, animate King Kong back in the 30s. But for some reason, no one knew that. And they did yep. like a series of articles in like TV Guide magazine and a bunch of other magazines about this new technology for animating the puppets. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely hysterical. I think uh, it was Reader's Digest because uh, my grandmother saved all of them. <laughs> uh, so she, like she would always every time it was Christmas time, she'd bring out like all these things and she would like show me all these these cool stories and and all the reporting that was done on it and stuff like that. And it was weird because it was like they went on with it for like there was like four page spreads, multiple pages and like newspapers and and yep. magazines at the time of how this was brand new technology and like just nobody really realized how like that that has been used for you know 30 years at this point king kong over in the corner all sad like what about me (laughs) monkeys just can't get any respect it's just not fair but yeah so a lot of crazy new technologies for the 60s use one other interesting point and we'll get more on this later but you mentioned how these puppets weren't built to last yet some of them actually managed to well, and that's the weird thing is because not the Japanese ones that lasted, but American recreations lasted. Uh, I forgot how many years ago there was actually a Santa and a Rudolph puppet that were found in almost pristine condition yep. that were saved from the 60s in a woman's attic who used to work for the company that basically produced it. Yeah, which they said just like a little bit of yellowing on Santa's beard was like the only thing that was wrong with the santa puppet it's just kind of nuts and those are the ones that they have used they, they were fully restored and they've mm-hmm. been used in some more modern um exhibitions and that type of things and of course they've been recreated for a, a plethora of commercials and stuff that we'll list off later for those uh trivia folks that love that part let's get into the movie itself a lot going on in this movie i actually didn't realize this until i rewatched it like it's like bang 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 like there's so much that they try to cram into this like 50 minute tv special well and you gotta you look at it from the aspect too like the original concept was a song right it was a children's song how do you turn that into a fantastical adventure and they did they put a lot into that there's a lot of new characters there's a lot of just random characters and there's a very complicated storyline, especially by today's standards. Yep. Like everything that, that Rudolph goes through in this movie, you wouldn't see that in like a child special now. No. You really no. wouldn't. Like he, he had his whole like Hoth moment where he has to like, you know, save himself from the from the snow monster. Like I'm gonna say George Lucas probably stole that from this. You know, that's he, oh, poor, yeah. poor Luke. Clearly. 
Luke was clearly rough the Redness Ranger. But there, yeah, there's so much going on because he like you've got the Island of Misfit Toys, you've got the Abominable Snowman, you've got Yukon Cornelius, you have Clarice, you have um, Hermie and his whole dentist adventure. Like all this stuff happens in 50 minutes, and it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's easy to follow, but like you said, they just usually don't try to cram so much into a single TV special for kids these days. Well, and what really got me about it, too, was that not only was there so much crammed in here, but the Island of Misfit Toys in particular, there's a lot going on just in that, too, because each of those toys, even though not all of them are named, all have a personality, all have a story, all have a reason why they're on this island, all have this reason why they're unloved and nobody wants them. And it's one of those weird moments where you're like, somebody had to spend time and think about every aspect of like how they're going to write this group of just toys nobody wants, like all of these defects Mm -hmm. and how they're going to do it. That's a lot of time to devote to characters that, well, I mean, we'll get into that, I'm sure, a little bit later, but for characters that, for lack of a better term, eventually were forgotten. Yeah, and had to make puppets for each one of them. Yes, like that's the other thing, too. We're not talking about, like, animation work. Like, oh, we can animate these guys for 15 seconds, no big deal. Like, I think at one point I paused the scene where it, like, shows all of them, and there's, like, 12 or 15 Yep. Individual ones, like some that don't even have any speaking lines, but they made puppets of them. And you really could have made this entire special just about him finding and interacting with the Island of Misfit Toys. And, and actually, if this were to be made today, that's probably what they do, mostly because of they could then sell toys. Of course. <laughs> for all the Island Marketability is there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But, but that's only like a small fraction of it. And, and, and you alluded to this earlier, but like, they do kind of get forgotten, even though they're like mentioned a lot in the story. There's so much else going on, like they literally forget to go and wrap it back up. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was which was interesting to me at the time, uh, because when this originally aired, and this trivia folks will love this, Rudolph never went back to save the the island of misfit toys. He never made good on his promise. Nope. And apparently, this upset the children so much that there was actually a letter campaign. From children writing to the producers saying, you forgot about the Island of Misfit Toys, we need closure. To the point where, yes, they went and reshot an entire new ending, an entire new extra scene, essentially, for this for this movie to appease the children that were very sad and upset by the fact that all of these lovable toys were forgotten. And for you millennials, letters are kind of like email, but on real paper. Mm-hmm. In, in case you don't know what that is. Just, and uh, they, they wrote out all their words. There was no, like, LOL or anything like that back then. Yeah, it was no. full sentences and punctuation. Yep, yep, Scary. No spell checkers. Like, they, they had to actually know how to spell words. It's, it was a crazy time in the 60s, you know? You're just archaic. But, yes, they, they did this letter-writing campaign. And, actually, poor Yukon Cornelius ends up being the victim mm-hmm. of circumstances after all this because... The whole show, and I say the whole show, he only does it twice, but like the, the whole special, he's throwing his axe into the ground and licking it, which is incredibly weird. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about like, oh, I'm looking for gold. Oh, no, wait, I'm looking for silver. I've changed my mind. But actually, the whole time he's looking for a peppermint mine. Which is really weird because like he was one of those characters that, I mean, I guess it kind of fit because this character was a little loony anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at his dog sled team. He didn't have huskies, but folks, he had like... <laughs> dachshunds and like weird like amalgamations of just like every other breed but a winter breed and they all had really really short legs it was yes. like it was very weird yes but yeah the, that was one of those weird moments where like it was a little bit creepy when he's like licking that pickaxe but then 
it made sense later on. I, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that they added that in retro because they're like, yeah, he's looking at his, his pickaxe. We probably should have something that has flavor. Peppermint sounds good. Let's go with peppermint mines. And then they go and cut the explanation. Yes. So then you just think the guy can taste gold and silver, which I guess... I mean, all of this is weird. We shouldn't be like trying to <laughs> to project reality onto a show in which someone falls off a cliff but bounces because the abominable snowman or the bumble, as he calls him, bounces. And here we are, like nitpicking the taste of of metals. But yeah, it's you know the peppermint mine thing actually was. I prefer it the way that it's done because if we would have got the peppermint mine scene, I would have been like, why didn't he just mention that the whole time? Yeah, but hey. We'll take what we got, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of interesting things going on. One, Santa's a bit of an a-hole. Just a little bit. He's very, very curt and very, you have to do this, and this is what you need to do, and you can't be anything else. And it was very weird. He was almost like the uh, the stereotypical, like, 50s dad, really. Yeah, and he was like... The ant. He was really like the instigator of all the hate towards Rudolph. Like because in the end, he could have just been like, "No, no, no! I don't care if his nose is red. All reindeer are equal." But he's like, "Nope, you can't lead my sled that way, boy." And like that's, you know, this whole movie could have been saved if Santa just wasn't such a dickhead. But then we wouldn't have the Island of Misfit Toys. And that's why you know that's why you need it. It's just very weird because. I, again, this is something that I don't think would happen these days because we can't portray Santa in such a negative light because he is kind of, you know, mean. Well, and that was one of the things that I, I think really I enjoyed it, the, about this movie as a kid is that it wasn't just him, but all of the characters had, for lack of a better term, like that human aspect. They were mean and nice. They had that, I don't want to say that duality of man or whatever, that was so <laughs> cheesy, yes. but they were a little more believable than... Everything is great. Everything is awesome. They they could be jerks. They could not see how things are. They could have their own prejudices. And that's shown in the movie because I guess back then, you know, kids were understanding that this is how reality is sometimes. Not everything is honky-dory. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on because you have Donner not exactly being uh, father of the year. Nope. <laughs> like, definitely not being father of the year. But then, like, he goes out to try to find Rudolph and his mom and Clarice go out to try to find Rudolph, and then they all get captured by the Abominable Snowman. Like, there's a, a lot of the characters have faults, not just the ones that are portrayed especially for their faults, like the Island of Misfit Toys or Hermie or Rudolph, but everybody on the show has faults, and that's actually kind of heartwarming in the end because there's nobody that's just like, oh, I'm perfect and I get things right all the time, which tends to be what we fill our children's programming full of. Yeah, and I absolutely agree because at that point it's – and this is going to sound cheesy and I'm dating myself, I'm sure, but it's easier to instill morals in a story when everybody is not perfect. When you have that sort of perfection – the, the moral of the story is kind of lost and they did a really good job back then of of showing that you don't have to be perfect in order yep. to do good like you can you can be flawed you could be abnormal you could be you know the misfit and still be the hero exactly and that's exactly the point i was going to make like right now we have this weird and this isn't a new problem even like stuff in the 80s you know oh yeah was like this where you had to be perfect and you almost came away as a kid as this feeling like if i screw up once 
I can no longer be this moral righteous person because I'm not perfect. And all these shows have these perfect people that always do the right thing. And, and here everybody's very vulnerable. Everybody makes mistakes. Those mistakes are like actively pointed out. And I like that, you know, it, there's some funny moments like when Donner goes, I knew that he would make it as a reindeer all along, you know, like, yeah, no, probably that, that, not. That really, he didn't, no, but it's okay. No. But we know that, and that's why it's funny when you say that, so it's okay. And, you know, Santa, like, ends up being wrong, and it finds out everything's okay when Rudolph saves the day. Like, overall, like, it, it works out, and I, I think that's what makes this so heartwarming. Um, I want to talk a few minutes about Hermie, because he's my favorite character in the whole <laughs> film. Because his whole purpose of being there is completely pointless. Oh, yeah. The story does not need Hermie at all. And he doesn't really do anything other than just kind of, like... A, make Rudolph realize he's not alone, which we find out later anyway when he goes to the Misfit Toys. And B, to just kind of like walk beside him and talk. So the scenes of Rudolph walking around are boring. But he's still kind of awesome because he wants to be a dentist. Yeah, and he was that sort of that, to me, he was me as a kid. Like it was, I didn't want to, you know, fit into this little tiny category of what I should do with my life. I you know, was one of those kids that wanted to like do what I wanted to do. I had this big dream. And it was like, here's Hermie. Absolutely no relevance to the story whatsoever. But Dagnabbit, didn't he have a dream? Dagnabbit, I love it. You've even brought the <laughs> lingo into the, the 60s. It's great. You know, and that's what I love. And I love also that he, he's kind of a smart ass, but not I don't think he knows he's a smart ass. The part where he's fixing the teeth on the doll so that he can say he's also working on the toys is mm-hmm. awesome to me. Well, and it's sort of that anti-establishment thing going on there, which was totally cool back then. Yeah, I I thought that was awesome. So uh, interesting facts about him. Uh, He was the only male elf with hair Mm -hmm. and the only elf with no pointy ears. Yes. But they don't point any of those things out. Just thought that was kind of like a cool little aside about Hermie. But Hermie's pretty awesome. Um, The music in general, like... I'll be honest, I hate musicals. Like musicals make me want to like <laughs> rip my hair out. What there was a movie, what's that stupid movie Into the Woods? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I made it 35 seconds before I made Anna turn it off. Cuz she's like, "Oh, my hair's really good." And we put it on and they're dancing around and then like 30 seconds in the movie, music starts. And I hit the pause button. I said, "Nope, can't do it." See, and I can't say anything because you love musicals. I I, I, I do. Picturing I do. you with your cane and your top hat dancing I, around. <laughs> You know, I'm actually, and this is going to be fun for a little, little sidebar, I'm actually a classically trained singer, and I've been in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. So, yes, I love musicals. See, so you've probably eaten this up, but I will say this, has, this was not bad as far as musicals go. The music is really well done. It's it's Christmas classics, so it's not like you're not feeling overwhelmed. It's not like you know every like. I think what I hate about musicals is they tend to sing their way through scenes, as opposed to just singing a song. And then this is very much singing a song. It's not like I'm working in the lines of dialogue into the song that I'm singing. And I know I'm like bringing a knife to a gunfight with you when it comes to talking about musicals. But <laughs> I, I, I just, the music went really well is the point I'm trying to make here. Like the, the, they all are holiday themed. It's classics that we know now, especially, you know, in 2015, but even like in the sixties, these were, these were pretty big songs and you kind of get that warm, you know, fuzzy holiday cheer feeling as you go throughout the show. Well, part of the key point of that was is it wasn't necessarily a musical because it wasn't a whole show about it. It was a show with music numbers, and that's kind of important because 
they used the music to punctuate scenes. It yep. wasn't the entire scene. It also had to do a lot with the fact that they were very folk song based and adding Burl Ives to their, their roster was a good move on their part. Uh, a lot of folks aren't going to know who Burl Ives are. Uh, Burl Ives is, wow, I can't talk either today. <laughs> uh, but he was a very prolific uh, folk singer back in the time. Mm-hmm. And during the time, he was big news. And yep. having him sing those songs, having him do uh, voice work for him was a big deal. And it added a lot of credence to it because he knew how to sing without sort of overshadowing everything. Like it was just very calming, very warm yep. and for lack of, you know, better term, very folky. Mm-hmm. No, and it's very, it became a storytelling apparatus. Like it, it, be, it blended in with the things that were going on around it, which is very, a, a, an element of folk music as opposed to like being some big band number, you know, that's like overwhelming and feels completely mm-hmm. out of place. It just feels like things flow from song to next scene to next song. And it works really well. And, and he had a pretty big impact on the, film in general like he made a lot of the casting decisions um some of the scenes were actually chosen and cut because of him uh one of the scenes that was originally planned and they had made the puppet for was to have rudolph delivered by stork mm-hmm. <laughs> um but he said no and cut it so they cut out that part and left in the rest of it so it looks like he was naturally birthed which you know kind of a big deal for the 60s and a kid's cartoon or should i say kids show um sam the snowman is modeled after burl ives and again if you don't know who burl ives is you're probably like okay i wouldn't know the difference <laughs> but but sam the snowman is modeled after him so he had a, a pretty large impact on this f- special in general yeah and in it's one of those defining defining things of that time and it's very uh, characteristic of shows, movies, and TV shows produced in the 60s is that when you had a big name musician or a big name talent involved, they had a lot of say. Like they weren't necessarily getting paid bank to do it, but they had input on how things developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see that in a lot of the shows and movies that were produced back then. Yep, yep. Just a, a different time, different time in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So lots of just lots of cool characters. I want to run through a couple of the other ones we haven't talked about. I, I love the weird idea that Santa can get fat in like six hours. Yep. <laughs> like he's skinny, he's skinny, and Mrs. Claus is getting all over him, getting on his case, and then finally he's like, all right. And then like he just pounds some porridge, and then he's ready to go. I wonder if he can yeah. lose it that fast, because I need that man's metabolism at his age. Dude, yeah. I mean, he's got the he, magic magic for sure, right? Yeah. I wish. Yeah, man, man. So, but I love Mrs. Claus. I think it's hilarious. Like, she's probably the one character that doesn't really do anything wrong, per se. Like, she's she doesn't have a flaw, but she's more of, like, a device and kind of almost acts as, like, a conscious for Santa. Dude, but, she's, she's totally my mom. The the whole eat more, eat more, eat more, you need to eat. Yep. Totally my mother. Yep, she's playing that mom character to a T. Obviously, we have the different toys on the Island of Misfit Toys. Uh, the most notable, of course, being Charlie in the Box. <laughs> yeah. Which is just so awesome because he's Charlie in the Box. And if he just said, call me Jack, he would have, everything would have been okay. Yeah, Charlie in the Box was great. He's also the only uh, character of the Misfit Toys that had a first name. Yep, yep. My, my personal favorite was, uh, was Dolly. Because she was also the subject of the most weirdest controversy of all time. Because it took 
like 40 years for them to actually get a statement as to why she was actually on the island of misfit toys and it turns out because she had emotions and was sad because nobody loved her that she was a misfit because she was crying right because she she was was crying yeah but that was totally made up like you know when they put her there they had no idea Nope, none at all. They're like, we, like, need we, need, we need a doll. We need a doll. We need a doll. Whoops. Because you got weird things. Like you got the bird that, that swims, and you have the cowboy riding the ostrich, which, to be fair, I thought was pretty epic. Like, who wouldn't want to be a cowboy on an ostrich? Like, you know. Dude, I would totally ride an ostrich in the battle. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I think I'd rather have an ostrich than a horse. Like, they're stealthy. Like, it's a little harder to, you know, there's not as big of a target to hit. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Then we got the, uh, so was the elephant's thing that he was spotted? Yes, he was okay. a spotted elephant, the polka dotted elephant. Polka dotted elephant, which is which was important because I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. What's important? I was gonna say because he was the footman for King Moonracer, the winged lion who rules the entire <laughs> island, and <laughs> totally my spirit animal. Your spirit animal is the King uh, Moonracer. King Moonracer, that's so awesome. Okay, and the King Moonracer stuff completely pointless. Like, no need whatsoever. Nope, not at all. <laughs> not he's, 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 he's a griffin who rules the island as a king. Sweet. In my mind, Burl Ives is drunk and about to sign the contract <laughs> and goes, okay, there's only one way I do this, guys. <laughs> I want a griffin. I need a griffin in his name. His name's Moonracer. They'll never do it, so I won't have to do this stupid show. And the next day, like, he gets a signed contract, and they're like, all right, we're going to do King Moonracer, and he's going to be a weight lion. And he's like, well... I guess I'm going to have to do it. Like, in my mind, that's how that went, because it's the only way you get King Moonracer into the show. Oh, You know man. what? I'm completely okay with it. If that's what happened, you know, I'm going to pour a little bit out for Burl Ives later, because thank you. <laughs> thank you for King Moonracer, because <laughs> that's King what made watching this 50 years later so awesome. So we mentioned earlier, like, there's a scene where that they filmed later and added back in and replaced the uh, Yukon Cornelius peppermint mine scene and that's where they actually go back and save the toys from the island of misfit toys and then go distribute them to their homes what's interesting is is some of them are fixed and some of them are not fixed when Mm -hmm. they send them back so there was some talk about like did santa use his magic you know one of those controversy things where a lot of people have for years and they don't really have an answer on this because some of the things like the bird can now fly but the elephant's still spotted and I'm assuming Charlie in the box's name is still Charlie. But then, like, the caboose of the train that had square wheels is gone, and it's just a train without his square wheel caboose. So, I don't know. But I guess he, they probably filmed it hastily <laughs> to, to try to get it going. And then there's the uh, random... Is it is it Hermie that's distributing the toys and then just disappears yes. into the bag at the end? Which is yep. weird, but... Yeah, so they had that scene. We get a little heartwarming moment. I love this is so what we don't encourage kids to do enough of these days. They asked questions and they did not take the first answer. And they said, no, I want to know why Rudolph did not keep his promise. Which was very important. I mean, especially back then, because you figure these kids, this was a big deal. This was a big production back in the day. Especially for like the 60s. And yes, there had been stop motion films, but there had been very, very little in the U.S. targeted directly at children like this was. And especially for something as important as a Christmas story, kids are going to pay attention to this stuff and kids are going to complain to their parents and their parents are going to be like, well, you don't like it, write a letter. And it was a very, you don't see enough of that anymore. People just kind of like accept what they're spoon fed. Yep. And parents don't encourage their kids to question. They actively deter it. And I hate that. Damn you, parents. Take a note from the 60s parents who let their kids start a letter writing campaign that changed the ending of this film 
was that you probably did not even know that the ending of this film had been changed because this happened you know, way back in 65, 66 when they changed this. But this is what we need kids to do more of. Just don't question King Moon Racer. Except for King Moon Racer. Don't write a letter about King Moon <laughs> Racer or Joe will come and kill you. Just yeah, saying. yeah, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> he feels that strongly about his winged lions. Um, so, of course, we've seen they have, of course, over-commercialized these poor puppets oh, yeah. since then. Uh, quite a few appearances, Joe. Yeah, so let's go over just some of the most notable ones. So, 2007, there was an Affleck commercial that <laughs> starred the vast majority of the puppets, uh, most notably Santa, Rudolph, and the, uh, the Bumble, uh, the Abominable Snowman. Uh, there was a 2009 Verizon Wireless commercial, which starred the Spotted Elephant. Uh, there was a episode of The 70s Show in 1998 where Kelso falls asleep and dreams that he's interacting with all of the characters from this movie, and all of them make an appearance. There was a Destiny's Child video in 2004 filmed in stop motion where the band members interacted with the puppets. And, of course, over the years, there were several General Electric commercials even the current, I believe, around Christmas, you should start seeing them right around December 1st pop up where General Electric stuff gets shilled on people and there's Rudolph and all of the puppets kind of like in the background or, you know, talking about how great General Electric is. If you could see my face, if this was a video podcast, you would have watched the soul slowly drain out of it <laughs> as Joe ran through that list. And But no King Moon Racer in any of these? No, none. Okay. I'm they don't, challenging. They, I'm... I'm I am not the target audience, apparently. No, 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 I'm challenging you folks. Find a way to work King Moonracer into your commercial. And Joe will buy infinite amount of your product. Just saying. It doesn't matter what Pretty it much, is. pretty much. That's, that's the key to Joe's heart, King Moonracer. So, 50 years, Joe. 50 years. Now, given it's not been that long for us, but how do you feel about this watching this in 2015? So... I actually still have all of the same feelings and all of the same desires and in 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 feels and loves of this movie that I did when I was a kid. And to me what's really important is I watched this for the first time with my nieces this week. And one is 3 and one is barely a year old and they loved it. They sat down and they were talking like two rambunctious kids full of energy. And they were absolutely enthralled by this movie. Like they sat there. They didn't say a word. Neither of them, not a peep until everything was done. And then they just wanted more. And that to me is a testament of how well this holds up. Where children that young with everything else that in this like this day and age that we have for holiday shows that got them to sit down and just be quiet and enjoy the story. And they were singing along later on. Like my, my one niece was singing the songs on the second watch through because we watched it three times in one day. Um, <laughs> she was singing the songs and she was dancing and her little sister was dancing with her. It was absolutely hysterical. So, yes, I believe that even after 50 years, this is still an important, iconic holiday special that holds up. Yeah, see, that's... There's something about Christmas. I'm not a big holiday person. I, I'm, I'm literally leaving the country to avoid celebrating holidays. <laughs> um, but there's something about Christmas specials that, for some reason, are so fond to me compared to other holidays. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I referenced California Raisins earlier. There's this other one whose name is escaping me, but it was like a precursor to Toy Story where all the toys were alive. 
and there was a doll and a tiger and i just remember really really like i cried because my mom could not find me a stuffed version of this tiger even though i saw the special literally the day before christmas but i didn't know santa couldn't match it up <laughs> but like all these holiday specials just like touch me in the feels and this like as soon as i put it on crappy film quality you know four by three ratio and all do not care love it i wish it would get the restoration in 2015 that it deserves because this is still better than 99 percent of the holiday crap that is out there now like so good do yourselves a favor you can find this on blu-ray and dvd apparently it's on youtube i don't know whether it's legally on youtube or not but it's on youtube um or you can go the nefarious means route but get it show it to your kids this holiday season like it is an awesome christmas special and they'll love it absolutely like you know here's my challenge show it to your kids show it to your nieces show it to your nephews show it to your neighbor's kids i i don't care see how they react to it i I bet you you're going to be surprised at how well this movie holds up in their eyes yeah yeah and just whatever you do don't buy the weird collection that's on itunes and amazon that's like rudolph and and frosty the snowman it's not the same thing it's really really horrible and the audio quality sucks avoid it at all costs either buy it on physical (laughs) media check it on youtube whatever you need to do but check it out it's it's well worth it two thumbs up from me sounds like two thumbs up from king moon racer over there oh yes two wings up whatever <laughs> two two wing, two wings two paws up from king moon racer oh love it love it yeah so man that's rudolph the red nose reindeer check it out do yourself a favor it definitely holds up after 50 years it's it's got me all in the holiday spirit and that that takes something special to get me in the holiday spirit, and it's not just a lot of eggnog, I promise. So, <laughs> oh, that's gonna do it, uh, Joe. Thank you so much for taking the time to. Of course, it sounds like you went overboard. You're like, oh, I'm gonna watch it three, four, five times. Hey, I was originally just gonna watch it once. My nieces made the decision for the other two times. I had no control over that. And, not that and, I'm complaining. And that's a great story. The, that's my favorite part about it. <sighs> so, Joe, this is your first time doing this. Are you ready? I think I am. All right. Where can people find the show? Oh, man. So you can find... (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I froze. Holy crap. I I had a moment. I don't even know if I know all the list. You can find us on our website at nostalgiabomb.co, at nostalgiabmb on Twitter. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else you can get podcasts. And uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday. We're blue to discuss the holiday special that can't decide which holiday it's celebrating. The Nightmare Before Christmas. That is right. The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, Joe, it's been awesome to have you back on the show. And I totally played the wrong music. Let's try this one more time. There we go. All right. (laughs) So that's going to do it for this episode of Nostalgia Bomb. As Joe mentioned, we will be back on Wednesday to talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas. See you then. Nostalgia Bomb.